0: Hi, I'm Casey Mraz and you're listening to The Lawyer Mastermind Podcast, where we help attorneys grow their law firms by interviewing experts who can fast track their success. to be joined by Philippe Danielitis, an executive coach. Philippe, thank you so much for joining us today. My
1: pleasure. Thanks for having me, Casey.
0: Absolutely. And you know, today we're going to be talking about law firm culture and how to motivate your employees. And what I noticed just looking at your bio first online through LinkedIn is that you said you're a recovering lawyer. What do you mean by that? Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Sure. So, uh, I worked in New York City at Millbank and White & Case, so I did uh, tours at two big law firms in New York before leaving and transitioning to coaching. And when I talk about a recovering lawyer, really what I'm speaking about is the lawyer mindset which can be an incredible asset but also a liability. So, here's the lawyer mindset. It is uh, scanning for what what ifs, right? Looking at fact patterns, trying to figure out uh, what can go well, what can go wrong, and making sure that everything is accounted for, organized in an agreement. Uh, and being really specific and precise. That is an incredible strength and quality that you want in a lawyer. but the problem is that many of my, Uh, lawyer clients encounter is that when we take that mentality and we bring it into our personal life and try to account for all the what ifs in relationships, in our professional careers, in the other goals that we set for ourselves, it's usually a recipe for uh, stress and anxiety that can cripple people's ability to take action.
0: Okay, wow. Well, good point there. And so Talking about a little bit with law firm culture, uh, we were having a little bit of conversation offline before this and you had mentioned that you know, wherever you are, that's the culture that's there that it already exists. How important is culture for a law firm?
1: I think culture is uh, extremely important. The challenges for many law firms is that it's hard to measure precisely right, or measure specifically. And that's where uh, I think a lot of firms can get into trouble in terms of prioritizing uh, culture uh, and cultivating a better work culture for their associates and employees. So what we were talking about earlier was just the fact that culture exists one way or another. It is inevitable for there to be uh, a culture, but the choice that we have is whether or not we're, cultivating a culture that supports the mental and emotional well-being of your your lawyers, of your associates, but that also then supports productivity and uh, initiative and entrepreneurship, uh, taking responsibility for work, right? There are all these different facets of work that culture can either inform or promote or stand uh as an obstacle to
0: okay and does that start from the top down um kind of the culture that you have or is it just a a little bit from everyone just what creates that culture i guess is what i'm asking and and who can influence that
1: yeah it um well it's not linear but i would say generally speaking that it is top down in that Let's say junior associates. So when I first started working at at Millbank as a first year associate, I was looking to the senior associates, partners, the management committee for direction about the norms and these are the social norms and the values of Millbank, right? What was what was acceptable? What would help me to be successful and what wouldn't? And uh, I think that the uh, one of the biggest mistakes that senior leadership makes at firms is actually expecting culture to be created from the bottom up uh, okay. around the topic of well-being. And this is something that I've heard uh, a lot from senior leadership: is well, well, if you know, junior, if associates need something, let's say more like mental health or wellness support, well, then they'll ask for it. Well. You know, sure, I think, but I think that's actually expecting a lot for the people who aren't in positions of power, who don't have decision-making authority to step up and to ask for what it is that they need. And I think that that usually also runs uh, a fly, runs, again, I don't know the exact term, but that runs contrary to another major tenet of law firm culture, which is, right, you just do the work, right? You mind, mm-hmm. and you and the work comes first. So that's one of the, let's say, cultural norms within our industry that has created a lot of the problems around well-being, anxiety, substance abuse that yeah. uh, also now I think we're coming together to, to begin to address.
0: Yeah, good point. And those are big problems that we've seen a rise of and we know that uh, they exist. And, you know, should law firm managers is that are maybe in charge of the culture talking about this top down that you had mentioned, should they put a large focus on this? Is this a major thing that's going to affect the operations of their firm? Um, I guess, how important is it?
1: Yeah, I, I may be biased, but I think it's actually, it's extremely uh, important again. I think the difficulty is that it's hard to quantify the impact of culture, uh, especially when uh, when culture is, as a let's say, this diffuse or amorphous idea, is up against the billable hour, which mm-hmm. is a very like, clear, like right, competing interest, or what seems like a competing interest. So the idea of let's say sending your team to a weekend offsite or bringing in other wellness programs around uh, mindfulness or exercise. Well, that's, there's always going to be a cost benefit. And on the other side of that scale is going to be $500 for this hour of time worked. So I think that's the biggest challenge that, or the biggest hurdle that we face that we need to get over. But, uh, I think a really helpful perspective uh, shift is to just widen the perspective to understand how, uh, let's say, well being and a culture that promotes well being affects the bottom lines of law firms because ultimately they are for profit businesses and there's nothing wrong with that. So, understanding how well being affects productivity, Mm -hmm. uh, affects uh, uh, retention, so retention of talent. Uh, the quality of talent uh, affects communication, uh, and we've all known as, yeah. as lawyers what happens if we're not communicating clearly both on our teams, but also between right, lawyers and our clients. Uh, and there's a, a really a, a laundry list of all of the unintended but uh, clear consequences when we don't pay attention to culture. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: yeah, it does. And I want to touch a little bit more on something that you had said, you know, you were talking about stressed employees and just kind of changing that terminology. If we're talking about happy employees now at this point, are Mm -hmm. we going to be able to expect better performance uh, and ultimately, I mean, making more money hopefully too, because like you said, uh, you know, law firm's a for-profit business.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there are, Many studies that have been done over the last uh, few years, just trying to make the connection or di- direct correlation between, you can use the word happiness. I think a lot of people, lawyers, will roll their eyes at this idea of happiness as a, as a legitimate business objective. Mm-hmm. You can talk about well being. I I saw there was a 2017 report by the World Health Organization concluding that anxiety uh, costs the world economy over a trillion dollars a year. So just to break it down into dollars and cents to understand what the trade-off is between well-being as a priority and the cost, uh, the effect to a company's bottom line.
0: Okay, got it. Well, I mean, that's good uh, information there. And it definitely points us in the right direction. So what are some practical, tips for somebody that just started thinking about culture that really wasn't in their mind before, but they see an opportunity. What are some things they can do to start putting this at the forefront of their mind and then maybe taking some action on it?
1: Sure. Uh, I think the first is just the lens through which you see culture, which is that it isn't uh, a one and done thing, right? If you think about culture and the word where it comes from, it's latin but it has to do with cultivating the land and farming and if you have farmed if you have a small garden on your balcony i'm here in new york city some of us have window gardens uh but we understand right how things grow and we know that you don't plant a seed and then immediately expect that seed to sprout right you've got to plant it water it and then as it grows you uh continue watering it, sunlight, weeding. There are all these things that you are doing to, to create the conditions for that seed to turn into a flower or food that you can then eat. And then in time, you harvest it. It is yeah. a continuous, multifaceted process. The same is true of uh, culture in companies and what it takes. I think the m- mistake is thinking we can just do a a two-hour let's say a workshop on mindfulness at the Mm -hmm. beginning of uh, associate orientation. And then we never talk about it again and everything should be fine and like good to go. And so I think that's the first shift is recognizing that this is something that we need to, culture is something that is alive and that requires consistent effort to maintain. I know I'm speaking about this from the Biased perspective of a coach but it's what i've found to be true with my one on one clients and also the organizational work that I do that's more around setting culture so that's one uh, one concept just around how to approach wh- how to approach culture uh, The second really important point that I would make is that actions speak louder than Words. So, if uh, if a company, uh, if a law firm brings in uh, a class, and they have an optional one-hour wellness session at the tail end of like first-year orientation, right, or as an afterthought to uh, retreat, even if mm-hmm. that's the topic and it's being spoken about, the do the partners stay? Right. Are they asking
0: questions? Are they gone? Yeah. Is it
1: mandatory, right? Is it mandatory or optional? Right. These are all like at what point in let's say a two or three day workshop or a retreat do you slot in uh, a seminar around like taking care of yourself, mental, emotional, well-being, uh, you know, anxiety, stress, reduction, whatever the topic is? So these are all things where even if the words are actually being spoken, again, the context, the culture in which it's being presented also really matters. And you can bet that your lawyers, right? People on your team are picking up on that, whether they say it or not.
0: Got it. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's... uh... There's a lot of things we could go into from there talking about that. But when you, when you say they're picking up on it, they may not say anything. Have you seen that develop into a toxic culture? Uh, because I've seen, I guess, in the past, organizations where maybe somebody is, they should have said something, but they didn't, they harbor that inside. And at some point that becomes gossip. And that's just like weed, it's like weeds in an organization, you know, and it kind of corrupts the whole thing. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen anything like that but I just wanted to get your input on.
1: on Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I I experienced that when I was a lawyer working at, uh, at the firms in, in New York, I was struggling at times, even before I decided to switch, uh, careers, times Mm -hmm. when I was burnt out or I had a family emergency, there was something else going on that I needed to attend to that. I just didn't feel comfortable sharing. And that Right stayed with me, I just internalized it again, I think it's the culture within the legal industry. I'm generalizing obviously there are yep. some, like firms and organizations who are being really proactive and who are at the forefront of this of this work, so let's you know not to minimize the progress that's being made right now uh, but yeah, I did I kept it inside because that is like one of the dominant themes within the culture of our profession, which is you just sure. you shut up, like you get the work done right? Mm-hmm. You do it. And that comes first and anything else is, you know, complaining or can be seen as a sign of weakness. So lots of lawyers who I speak with uh, have spent years, not only internalizing what they're struggling with, but feeling real shame and resistance to asking for help yeah not not shirking their responsibilities right or not doing their work but even just acknowledging publicly in some way whether it's to their uh to their managing partner or the hr team that there's something that they need help with
0: yeah no that's a good point i think you bring an interesting perspective not only have you been there and kind of experience that firsthand, but now you're a coach. So can you help identify that, uh, like pretty easily? Is that something that's, that's a part of what you typically do in one of your executive coaching arrangements or
1: what do you, what do you mean?
0: Just, is that so, like, it's from a, can you identify a culture problem? Uh, if you're coming in right away and kind of put a plan together to help people overcome this barrier.
1: Yeah. So, and I just, uh, to answer that question, but also just to add to your last question around how we see culture affect uh, well being companies, this isn't just right, the perspective of uh, a coach who cares about such things. The American Bar Association uh, put together a task force, a well being task force in 2017 18, and they came out with this report essentially detailing the crisis within. Our profession, uh, uh, citing uh, right elevated levels of anxiety, depression, substance abuse, uh, and other mental health issues. So this is something right that has been studied and documented, and is clearly happening within our within our industry. But to the Definitely. question of kind of. Like how do I, you know, pick up on it? What do I, you know, what do I see? It's, it's just by asking about people's, uh, it begins with these broader questions around just what, what do you need to be successful at work? It's almost like the inquiring about the norms of uh, within a company and understanding what the expectations are. So it, varies from company to company, but usually someone will present it as a given as just how things are so I'll make general statements of well well, you just gotta like you've got to do what you need to do right It's a yeah. passing statement it's a throwaway, but it's actually a clue to what that person, but they're probably not alone within an organization, thinks. Are the rules of the road what you need to do and agree to in order to be successful in that environment? Does
0: that make sense? It does, yeah. And you know, I just had a thought. I I wonder if a lot of like junior associates or employees, if they just kind of accept this for what it is, and um, in if they're in a toxic culture or just an environment that really isn't humming right now, if they just accept that as normal and you know run with it and and never say anything if that's just like very prevalent I I just got thinking because I have a friend who's an attorney in California and uh, he works at a firm and I don't think they treat him well but you know he's just like this is how it is is that the wrong yes attitude (laughs) Uh,
1: no it's not the well depends on how you're asking that question it's not the wrong attitude in the sense that it's a Rational, rational, and reasonable response to culture. Okay. Uh, I think that's a really great way of putting it. It's asking people what is what is normal, and they'll they'll tell you. But what forms their normal is uh, a very clear insight into the assumptions and beliefs that shape their reality that shape the culture that they are working in. Uh, And the problem is what many of us have come to accept as normal, because that's just how things are, are the norms that are contributing to these increased levels of anxiety and depression and all the things that I mentioned before. So the first step is recognizing that maybe what is normal isn't working for us.
0: Got it. On a
1: personal level, but also, as we were talking about earlier, on a business level, because the well-being of your individual employees, of your lawyers in aggregate, is going to have a significant impact on uh, your firm's bottom line.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and not only probably bottom line, but maybe even, you know, your mental health. I, people don't want to have to worry about, I think, their employees and, and all this stuff that's going on. I mean, it just adds more stress. And if things are bad, I could really see that, uh, you know, bringing them down. But, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, you want to run a profitable law firm. Mm-hmm. These are things you have to pay attention to. What are um, some specific steps, I guess? What would you encourage a small law firm that's in this position right now, what can they do to start making progress on this?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think the uh, the first thing is to just get ahead of it. So if it's a new firm, establishing that uh, well-being, for example, is something that's important from the get-go is really, is really important. And the way... To do that is by uh, signaling to your uh, to your lawyers, right, to your team that it is an actual priority, and there are different ways to to do that. Usually, by putting resources uh, behind it, whether that's a, an ongoing uh, program uh, or you know something on a, a a quarterly basis. So that's one. Just showing that you're putting your resources behind what you claim to value and to the participation of senior leadership to signal that this is something that the firm actually takes seriously rather than just paying lip service to. I cannot stress enough how important it is for leadership to also engage in this process, otherwise lawyers. And we are, again, trained, I think, to be a skeptical Bunch, and that comes in, in handy in our work. But we're we're skeptical. So if we hear something from leadership, and we're getting emails talking about certain things being a priority, but not seeing that backed by action, then it's not going to hold water. People aren't going to find it credible.
0: Yeah, good point. And I think you touched on that earlier. And you know, actions speak louder than words, like you were saying. So. Um, it needs to happen.
1: Yeah, uh, and the the other thing I would I would just say because I think there's a really important distinction between uh, proactive and reactive support. A lot of firms, m- most uh, if not all firms, usually have some kind of uh, mental health right, support or addiction substance abuse addiction services that people can take advantage of. But that places the burden on employees to seek it out which again I think usually doesn't take into account what we're talking about kind of the broader culture in which people are working which says right asking for help needing help is a problem and so that's a really important safety net right keep doing that for sure but recognizing that in order to shift culture we also need to take proactive steps to cultivate and maintain a healthy culture, not just deal with things when they go wrong. I mean, thinking about my personal health, it's the difference between, you know, do you just manage your health by going to the emergency room whenever things go south? Or do you also eat well and exercise, get good sleep, right? That's the, that's really the difference in approach that some firms have really started to take to heart and shift, but that I think is uh, a key shift that we all need to make if we want to see meaningful uh, progress across the board.
0: Awesome, that's great advice. Well, thank you for uh, sharing that. And do we have, Do you have any parting advice here, anything that we didn't talk about related to culture that you wanted to mention that we didn't get to?
1: Um, parting advice, well, I would, just speaking to uh, leaders, at firms uh, i would just say your right your team the junior lawyers are looking to your example it really makes a big difference not only in what you say but how you show up uh that's you know kind of what what i would say to them and to the uh junior lawyers the associates if they're also listening uh just knowing that if there's something that you are struggling with or worried about whatever you think is normal well that you're not alone the person in the office next to you different life situation for sure but they're probably affected by the same beliefs. so just knowing that uh you don't have to take this on on your own that whatever you're struggling with isn't a reflection of a personal failing is a uh, that's what, I, that's what I see. And I have a window into the offices of right, your peers who are in the next office over. And this is true time and time again. And I think it's really important that we acknowledge that uh, we're all working and being affected by uh, a similar
0: culture. Definitely. Well, thank you for sharing that. And Philippe, you do uh, executive coaching. If someone wants to learn more about your company or talk to you, to learn how you might be able to help them, how would they find you?
1: Sure. Thanks for asking, Casey. Uh, you can visit my website at uh, innercurrentcoach.com. And innercurrentcoach.com. It's long, just like my last name, uh, but that's where you can find information about uh, working with me one-on-one. And if you want to reach out, uh, happy to find some time. And also where I talk about the corporate cultural work that I that I do as well.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah, of course, we'll provide a link here as well to make that easy for people to find you. And again, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your insights and your expertise. And I look forward to catching up again in the future.
1: Thanks, Casey. My pleasure.